Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Newswire. I'm your host, Jake Burns, coming at you guys on day two. Well, now day two is complete of the 2020 draft. It's going quick like it does every year. It seems like the first round is so slow, and then the second round and the third round and the fourth round are all done before you know it, and, you know, day two and then day three is even faster. But uh, anyway, Jared Mueller's here to, to join me, and we're going to chat about uh, some of these picks. What do you got, man? You know, it's really interesting. They they focused on defense, and I think when you have Kevin Stefanski and all the skill talent they have on offense, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, we look at these picks, we can say what we think, um, and it's really about evaluating the talent from what they saw in college. The reality is we have no idea what it ends up being, you know, at the pro level. But, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that Grant Delpit, uh, kind of like Greedy Williams, was a top 10, 15 kind of pick before this last college season started. And here he is again with the Browns uh, taking him, you know, in the in the second round, getting an extra fifth round pick or getting a fifth round pick to move down a couple slots. Um, you know, for me, that there's some value there. We know he had some issues with tackling. We know he had his ankle and his shoulder. Um, I just think there's some a lot of value there. And his 2018 film is a lot better than his 2019 film. And so hopefully it's injury related um, for 2019. But I think you got a lot of value there. Even if he's maybe not the guy who is going to put up the numbers, I think he can have a huge impact uh, in the pass game. I'm with it. It is. It's completely interesting to me how things shook out. They didn't. You didn't see many safeties go then. You know, Xavier McKinney goes at 36, I believe, to the Giants, and all of a sudden you start to feel like maybe there's going to be a run on safeties. There was not a run on safeties until um, right around Cleveland's pick, right? I think Winfield went yep. to pick after them. So, you know, at the end of the day, for me, I wanted McKinney. I thought he brought a more solid, solidified, and mm-hmm. – um, I guess, a, pre- a more projectable profile uh, in terms of being able to play, not only play the different positions, but cover adequately and make tackles and open space. I think as I'm going through Delpit's film now, I'm noticing that it's just, you know, there's a high number of missed tackles. And, and you know, some of it is not necessarily technique. It's just some guys have the ability to bring people down in space and some people don't. And sometimes it's just little nuances to your angle, the way you throw your hand out at the end, the way you shoot your shoulder through a thigh board. There's just little ways that guys are able to get through and make tackles for, for you know, skinnier, thinner DBs, even the bigger guys. It's just sort of an innate thing, and people talk all the time about, well, you know, you can coach it up. Well, you know, you kind of can't. These guys have played high school football at elite levels. These guys have played college football at elite levels. And all of a sudden, these NFL coaches who really – are not all that different from college coaches, to be honest with you, are going to have these breakthrough techniques for tackling. Like, to me, it's either you can do it or you can't. Most of it is want to um, and, and, and you know passion for, for getting that job done and not letting that aspect of your game go to the wayside. But, like, it's very rare 
to have a guy who was a poor tackler in college then become an adequate to above average to even good tackler at the NFL level. It's just, it's it's rare. It's a trait that comes with you. You know, there are guys who study market market share or production numbers as a way to forecast future NFL success, which I think sometimes can be taken too far, Jared. But at the same time, I think it is good for finding thresholds for guys and saying like, well, this guy didn't really contribute at the college level when we're all of a sudden expecting this guy to contribute to a large portion of his team's offense or defensive statistics at the NFL level. And there are sometimes nuances and outliers that come with that. But to me, it's like the same thing. And I told in a conversation today on Twitter that, you know, I think the Browns have to take Delpit knowing this guy's probably not going to be a very good tackler. And we're okay with that. Ultimately, we think that this guy will eventually, uh, you know, his coverage ability, his ball skills, that sort of stuff will override his you know, a potential for 15, 16, 17, 18, maybe even 20 missed tackles in a, in a you know, a calendar football season. So that that's what they're saying. And if, if the tackling improves, and I know Delpit at his introductory press conference, and I got a little defensive about that question. <laughs> and, you know, to, at the end of the day, facts are facts, man. You missed 36 tackles over two years. That's, that's a trend. You can blame injuries your senior year or junior year or whatever all you want your final year. But you had a healthy year the year before, and you had the same issue with missed tackles. So he has to prove it, and maybe he does. And the Browns will probably say that's a bonus at the end of the day. But for where they're taking, they say we would rather covet maybe that single high free safety guy who can roam back there, make plays, use um, you know use anticipatory skills as a, a single high safety while maybe letting Carl Joseph approach the box a little bit more. And the same for Sandejo a little bit too. So um, it's risky, It's especially – you know, when you consider the tackling issues, but it's also risky with Antoine Winfield with the injury issues, right? It's also risky with Jeremy Chan at the level of increased um, competition, and you don't totally know how that's going to shake out. So there's risk everywhere. I think they figured we're going to take risk on this guy who we know can do this part of the game really well, but ultimately maybe the tackling can come for him with a little bit of that pissed off attitude. And I was happy to hear that pissed off attitude in that press conference, believe it or not. So um, I, I rambled for about five minutes. I'm sorry, man. Go you're ahead. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, no, you're great, man. Like that's, that's obviously something you're passionate about. I think it's great to hear Andrew Berry said, you know, he made no excuses about the tackling, but I think you hit on exactly what happened in day two for the Browns. They picked players who do something pretty good or really good. Right. So Grant Delpit, I think he can impact the pass game because he's going to cover a lot of ground. He's going to be around. So quarterbacks have to be aware that he can just get places that maybe some other free safeties can't with his length, his speed, all of those kind of things. Then you have Jordan Elliott who can can get after the passer, might get washed away in, uh, in the run game, those kind of things, but is going to be disruptive in the pass game. And then you have Jacob Phillips who is going to come downhill. Like he's going to go straight forward. His straightforward stuff uh, measurements are all really, really good. And then his change of direction stuff is terrible. So it's really an interesting day two where they really looked at players who can do certain things that they want them to do. And my hope will be is they're not going to try to put those because they want to win this year, right? So my hope is they don't try to put those players in positions to kind of like Greg Williams did where he tried to make people better at what they weren't good at. He did it with Jabril Peppers putting him out as a free safety so he got better in coverage. Like, I hope the Browns go, 
hey Delpit, we want to, we don't want you coming down against the run too often, and and those kind of things. Jordan Elliott, we want you trying to be disruptive because hopefully Jacob Phillips is coming downhill to fill in behind you and those kind of things. So instead of focusing on what the players are not good at, hopefully they're going to put them in positions as much as possible to do the things they are good at, especially for these young guys who are not only young as draft picks, but most of them are pretty young even for their class. And maybe the rest of the stuff develops, but if not, like you said, it's a bonus because you just want them to be good at what you drafted them to do. You would hope. I mean, some of the philosophy, and this is where I talk about the difference between NFL and college coaches. Sometimes I think NFL coaches, you get to this certain level and you start thinking to yourself that you know everything and that's where things can go sideways. And Jabril Peppers is like the quintessential example of that. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, these three picks were, uh, uh, they have interesting things tagged onto them. You know, if you focus on the good, uh, you know, Jordan. Jordan Elliott is um, is a player that's graded out really well for Pro Football Focus. That's ultimately one metric, right? That's one metric that they can they you know they're going to grade out production numbers and how they do at the line of scrimmage. I have watched film. I know that I, uh, John Stephenson is going to put up a, a video or a, a film room study. I'm going to do Delp, but he's working on Elliott and he's not impressed. So I I don't know. Ultimately, I don't know. I I was a little bit underwhelmed when I watched Elliott on tape but they graded him well i think god they had him as high as 23rd on their big board going into this draft so i gotta see it i need to see where the the the, the where the win is yeah yeah i gotta see it still so i i I, listen we don't we can't get every game on all 22 but we can get a certain number of them and uh we got to figure out a way to get some of the games that he that he sort of dominated because I, i need to see what they're talking about maybe that consistency isn't quite there yet but you're dealing with other defensive tackles, Susan Larry Ogunjobi and Andrew Billings, who haven't found consistency either. So, you know, maybe ultimately at the end of the day, that that third. I, I've said like at the end of the day like four times. So I stop saying that. It's late. That's because it's slept. the end of the day, man. It's the yeah. end of the day. <laughs> when I've slept like two hours in the last twenty four, no, no more yeah. than twenty four now, right? I don't know. Yeah, anyway, give, give me your give me your thoughts on Elliot. Well, it's just what's interesting. I'm looking at um, Mike Renner for PFF. Like they have him at 91 against pass, 90 run in the run stop, 89 in third down grade, uh, almost a 19% pass rush win rate, and an 8% run stop rate, which are all far above the averages. I think what's interesting is um, people listening to this will be like, oh, see, they're just you know computer people and all that. But then you look at Jacob Phillips, and they had him ranked in the 180s, I think. Um, and so it's not – it's interesting that – PFF has one of them really high and one of them really low um, and really look at them so completely different. So it's not that the Browns are just kind of falling in line with the quote unquote analytics of pro football focus, which is just one version. It's just really interesting to me to watch this group really address um, who they're going to be and what what's important to them. I do like watching um, Phillips run around and, um, and how aggressive he is coming forward. And hopefully that continues to kind of create that attitude, that physical, that toughness, all of that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, Delpit is the opposite of physical and tough. So it's just really interesting as as I try to analyze kind of from that 30,000 feet kind of view, who are these new Browns going to be and what are they going to value? And they seem to value different things for different players, 
different positions, those kind of things. And so it's been really fun to try to get inside of their head. Um, in the end, obviously, all that matters is going to be the wins. Are these players going to be able to play? Do they have a role? And really, besides Delpit, Elliott is going to be the third or fourth interior defensive lineman. We don't know where Phillips is really going to end up, along with Mac Wilson, Sione Takitaki, B.J. Goodson. So it's really going to be interesting to see, are these players good enough to play? Are they right now players? Or are these some of the players that the Browns are looking to develop for as more of the later players you and I have talked? The defensive line, it's Miles Garrett, and we don't know after this year. So, you know, is is Jordan Elliott a part of that later kind of thing? And maybe he does a little bit this year when he's forced into a role or, or very specific pass rushing downs. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at guys who are going to compete at positions and hopefully they, they're hoping take steps and can replace some guys that will eventually be let go before another contract. You would want Jordan Elliott to be a contributor that you, you, you felt comfortable maybe letting Larry or letting you know, – my, my opinion of where he play he probably plays the three uh, mm-hmm. in, in, his, in his right there rotating with Sheldon in situations where Richardson needs gas or – um, they would probably ultimately like for him to take over as a leading player at that role because they don't want to pay that third year of Sheldon's contract. I mean, he performed well in his first year here, but uh, ultimately we don't know if he'll perform well in his second year. So that's where I've led to some mystery in this whole group. But anyway, to the point at hand, they do want these guys to develop. They would like a year of, of you know, Jacob Phillips watching, learning from B.J. Goodson and watching, learning from if they bring another inside linebacker in perhaps – um, Nigel Bradham, whoever, and uh, you know, gives him a chance to play in situations that are sort of advantageous for his skill set, which is moving forward. He's not a he's not a pass coverage guy. He's uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough that a couple guys from Pro Football Focus sent over some grades for him, and you know, he's never really scored above. I think he had a couple games in the 70s in coverage, but he's never really been above the 60s and 50s, and even dipped down into the 40s for a couple of them. So he's just kind of fine, like. You know, he's an NFL average player. If you can get average out of that player, that's probably a win at the end of the day. And that's how they view linebacker in general, if we're if we're being kind of honest here. They're going to mid-round mm-hmm. pick it. They're probably going to be one-contract players unless they, you know, unless they show out and, and, and kind of force Cleveland's hand, right, at the, end, at the end of that contract to say, we have to pay this guy. He's, he's too good to let go. So I, I'm not overwhelmed by day two. I'm not underwhelmed by day two. I think there's a lot of stuff to play out. I think – the old me would have been uh, overreactive to the whole situation and, and, and not felt great about this. But I see where Delpit could be a really good NFL player. I see a path to that. I see a path to Elliott being a contributing NFL player. And I do see the role in which this Joe Woods defense has for Jacob Phillips. I have to honestly study Phillips. I have not. I've studied Elliott a little bit, uh, not very much. I, I didn't get a, a great start on studying these guys. So I have to study. Uh, study both of those guys a little bit more in depth, and I have to study really Phillips at all. I mean, I've been watching LSU because I've been watching Greedy, but or Greedy, geez, man, it's late. Been watching uh, <laughs> Delpit, but uh, I have not been paying much attention to to uh, to, to Phillips because I just I, it didn't even register. Kind of reminds me of last year when they picked Sheldrick Redwine, and I was like, I know a lot of college football players, but I have no clue who that <laughs> dude is. I just had no clue. And now that I know Phillip's name, I can, I can, and I've seen him in uniform, I can, oh, okay, that's number six. I, I process the whole thing. But, like, it happens every year like that. But, uh, 
I should talk real quick, Jared, about BetOnline.ag, man. They're, they're, they're proud sponsors yep. of Blue Wire. Did you know that? Yes, sir. Yeah, well, if you're looking to get a gambling fix in, 24 hours a day, poker, online, blackjack, always open. You can get that. You could have bet on the on the, uh, on the the draft, had some prop bets going there. They always have the daily stock market weather, all that fun stuff on there. That If you're, <laughs> if you're literally a degenerate who just needs to gamble to feel excitement in your life, they have Madden 20 simulations. Um, but look, they do it. They do a nice little bonus on sign up. They're a good, reputable company. Some online poker gambling affiliates are not exactly reputable. They are. They're one of the best in the industry. You use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B L U E W I R E. You're going to get that little bonus upon sign up. I think they're still matching at that bonus, which is pretty great when you consider um, most places do like 50% or something along those lines. So go to betonline.ag, use that promo code BLUEWIRE, get yourself a nice little bonus for signing up. And, uh, you know, win yourself some quarantine money, right? You can you can win some money and spend it on Amazon. Maybe someone will There you go. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's late. If people stuck us out, uh, it will it will certainly be interesting to to hear everybody's opinion. Let us know on the OBR page in the forums. You guys who are out and about and always communicating with us, we appreciate that. Obviously, appreciate you guys following along. We got one more day of the draft. This is where some sneaky guys are found. And... Uh, Hopefully the Browns can pinpoint some. I did like them getting a future pick. I think they got to really start planning for some guys with contracts leaving um, and not wanting to be resigned and things like that. So I like them stockpiling picks and all that, all that yep. stuff. Um, should be. And I like them getting good. rid of two forty four, so we don't have to wait around for that pick. That's uh, yeah. That was just a blessing from Andrew Barry. Like I need to send him something. Yeah, that was. I didn't even think about that until now. We, once what <laughs> is it one one eighty. 188 is our last pick, and then we don't have that big gap anymore between 115 and 188 because they picked up the fifth to move down before they got Delpit, and then they got the 2021 third-round pick from the Saints. So another top 100 pick. Uh, to They probably would have taken Jordan Elliott where uh, before they traded down anyway. So uh, really just some smart maneuvering by Andrew Barry. If the player, if the picks go well, that's really all that matters. But if they go well and they have these two extra picks, it's just cherry on top. Yep, I agree. Today was fun. Uh, a lot of movement, right? Two trades. We thought trades would happen. They didn't do it in the first round. They took Jedrick Wills, which was a surprise. If you listen back on that OBR Film Room podcast where we had everybody on, uh, I did not get any Jedrick Wills predictions. Um, nope. and, I, and off the top of my head, I mean, there were some people that wanted Delpit. Pete was in on Delpit. A couple other people, maybe, but not many people. And then none of the drafts. And once Logan Wilson went and Jeremy Chen went and back-to-back picks, it kind of like dwarfed away a lot of people's consideration for a positional upgrade and all that. So the draft never goes as you plan, especially doesn't go the way you plan it for Cleveland. So it's been fun though. We'll we'll revisit that maybe here Sunday night into Monday. And and if you've not read the Jedrick uh, Wills film room, we have that up. That is. Packed full it's of great. Yeah, it's we great. got a, we got a ton of stuff in there. We got a ton of different blocking angle stuff they're doing. How they fit into wide zone, his gap down stuff, his pass protection stuff, and his one really glaring issue as a right tackle um, is in there as well. I encourage you to go read that. I made that free. The rest of these will be for only OBR subscribers the rest of the way. And um, 
you know, I don't know what Wills is going to look like as a left tackle. If you have a you have a weakness, maybe that doesn't become a weakness when you switch sides. So I don't Ooh. know. There's some mystery there. Yeah. Anyway, we got to sign off, dude. It's like one thirty again. I don't know. What's I don't even know what time it is. I got to get some sleep. My body just go to sleep, down. brother. All right, we will, man. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening, and uh, give us five stars if you can. Make sure you're subscribing because those numbers are important to us. And make sure. You know, the fan base is out there, you know, paying attention and appreciating what we're trying to do for you. And, uh, you know, like always, hit us up on on Twitter or on the OBR page if you have questions, concerns, guests, anything you guys want us to chat about. Jared, I appreciate you, man. And, um, you know, we'll sign off with Go Browns. Go Browns.